0: what's up you guys sean ross that managing editor of fightful.com fightful head over there check out your wrestling news photos videos podcasts exclusive interviews including several with people that are on this show we talked to virtually the entire ring of honor roster at this point uh check it out if you've never tried it before give it a shot i know moving to a new wrestling website can be a bit of an adjustment a bit of a change but we also have, in addition to our Raw, SmackDown, post-pay-per-view shows like this, we have FightfulSelect.com, which is a bit of a bonus feature. It is our subscription service where every Friday I review Ring of Honor, uh, Being the Elite, Impact, Lucha Underground, a lot of things that many re- wrestling websites do not cover via podcast. Check that out on the Weekender podcast. We post free episodes here and there to give you all a preview on Fightful.com. So check out FightfulSelect.com. See if there's something you might like there. It starts at only $5. But you can get all your free wrestling news, videos, podcasts, all that good stuff at Fightful.com. We're here to review Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor 2018. Sunday, myself and Jeff Hawkins will be here to cover New Japan, Fighting Spirit, Unleashed. Our buddies at Pro Wrestling Unlimited will be there. But tonight, I am joined by our lead boxing writer, Carlos Toro. And Carlos, I have to ask you, you are a bit of a scientist when it comes to the striking game. What does spitting on your hand before you chop somebody add?
1: Well, Sean, all it does, it, you know, it, it maybe doesn't really do anything to actually hurt your opponent, but it kind of makes,
0: but it kind of feels good. It like gives you an extra Oh no, Come on, somebody said, somebody said, somebody said it hurts way more. And I was like, it really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it does not. I was like, yeah, it, if anything, it's less because you don't have as much friction. I like guess no, but, but, but,
1: but when you're hit with sped, you're, you're, you're disgusted by it. You're yeah. You're disgusted by it.
0: So <laughs> I remember somebody was like, Oh my gosh, are you going to grow up when I was training? Are you going to grow your beard out? That way it cushions the blow and you get hit. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know what? It hurts significantly more with a beard because when I sweat, the punches don't slide off as much. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. My guys.
1: No, I. But funny enough, I've had, like, professional boxers uh, argue that their opponents should shave off, like, their massive beard. I've seen guys with, like, almost James Harden levels of beards. They, like, yeah. and go in right before, days before the fight, that would just go to the commission and
0: say, like, shave,
1: have him shave a beard. I, I can't punch him as hard.
0: I remember when somebody had Roy Nelson do that because it stank like ass. But other than that, you know. But hey, Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, we've had several interviews, interviewed uh, Christopher Daniels, stories up on the site, check it out, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff, you know the jam, we are on podcast platforms everywhere, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere, you all can check us out on iTunes, leave us a nice review, that stuff really helps. But this show started off with Kenny King against Jushin Thunder Liger, now Las Vegas, they were in the Orleans Arena, which held more than Sam's Town Live. But from what I understood, it's about just reports on the scene, say 70%, 80% empty. But still, it was, they claim it was their biggest Ring of Honor crowd in Vegas ever.
1: That being said... It felt like the opposite, felt like no one was there for yeah, like no the first half of the show.
0: Well, anytime they're there, it feels like nobody's there. It's quiet. It's always quiet. It's And the TV tapings that result... Are like utter silence. When I was covering the, the ones from Samstown Live on the weekend or earlier this year, I just couldn't wait until they went somewhere else because there was no reaction. But I'll tell you what, Jushin Thunder Ligers theme gets a pop for me to this day. He applies a Liger special as he faces Kenny King. But I mean, you knew what this was out of the gate. It was the Kenny King reality TV star, a win. And obviously, they, they have a, a renewed push for him because. They're not going to have him beat Marty Scurll and Hangman Page back to back, and then have him lose the Jushin Thunder Liger. That's not happening, Carlos.
1: No, not not at all. And and the way this match was kind of tailored, it was very different to how the matches with Marty and the matches with uh, with with Bully Club members he's had as of late. And Kenny, you know, Kenny was being acting like the babyface was acting like too much respect for Jushin yeah. Thunder Liger, and and at the end, it just. And, and the way the commentary team were just sort of they just kept talking about the respect, Ken King is like you like this could not have been like more telegraphed.
0: That, that's there that was there was a note that I left. They telegraphed so much, and I also didn't like the the talking like it was a golf tournament, like Liger applies the Liger special, and that's a thing. As much as I like Ian Riccaboni, sometimes there's that and the constant '90s references where I'm like, ah, oh, man. He's such yeah. a nice dude, but that that can be frustrating. Uh, even even I though there was, was a dead accurate. crowd, I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for the the customary person who always shows up and says, "It was actually very loud there." No, it wasn't. It was maybe loud where you were in there, but it never comes across good on TV.
1: No, not at all. And and I wasn't sure if it was maybe a Ring of Honor audio issue that you know Caprice Coleman and Ian sounded really low at the start of the pay-per-view, but then they just kept, you know, they just kept talking as, if, as you know, the way, as you mentioned it, as if it was a golf tournament, then honestly the pace of the match was also almost that of a golf tournament where it just, the moves were slow. And I understand Jushin Liger is no spring chicken. He's not what he was 10 sure. years ago, but you know, I, I expected a little more from this match. You know, I, I, Honestly thought Liger and Kenny King were gonna do more high flying stuff than you know than the match that they had where both men were just essentially selling their backs. Yeah. Uh pushing more than 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 Kenny, but it you know, it was slow paced match, nothing special. But Kenny King, you know, we all knew he was gonna win. He's getting a big push and honestly this was Pretty good pretty good win on your resume for Kenny King and this push.
0: Yeah, it's a way that you can say he's beaten two Bullet Club guys in Liger uh, back to back to back. But however, I thought that they should have really started off the show with Bullet Club versus Chaos. And you probably should have had all the Bullet Club members come out together, considering that none of them outside of Cody Rhodes had been seen in public since all in. None of them. And Cody was just on a championship wrestling Hollywood taping. But Liger and Kenny did not have good chemistry liger hits a frog splash after reversing a chin checker and then as you mentioned they played up that liger couldn't get to his feet and it was just oh yeah let's well if he can't get to his feet yeah let's let's end this respectfully maybe he can come on tv this week and i don't know it was so clear what was going to happen fake handshake spine buster pin not great not great roh go ahead
1: I don't know, and I do want to mention real quick, the way they kind of tailored this ending was to make it seem like Kenny King cheated to win this match when he clearly did not. It was, he didn't do anything,
0: Yeah, Ryan, Nothing at all.
1: It was, you know, like in botting, it's protect yourself at all times, and Houston Liger did not do that.
0: Just made Liger look like a dumbass, really. <laughs> Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, the Briscoes retained over the addiction. Uh, Scorpio Skies. This is the worst town I've ever been in line. It was not nearly as over as it was at All-In, which is a bummer. Kazarian cues up the crowd for the SCU chant, and it's mentioned that the Briscoes are 3-0 against the Addiction. Uh, I noticed Kazarian was falling down an awful lot in this match. Like he, he stumbled around a lot, but he and Daniel still hit their offense 100 miles an hour. Briscoes try to get chairs involved, but only do it to set up Addiction. Mark hits a great apron blockbuster at ringside. And I don't think there is any team, Carlos, that does the old throw your opponent into a kick from your partner better than these two guys. They went to it three times in this match and with great velocity. Briscoe is still one of the great teams in wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean, and how anyone would not put the Briscos up there as, you know, as one of the best teams in wrestling in the last five years? They have been. And in a way, I feel like they're kind of underrated because no one, because I never really felt like people talk about them in the same breath as all these other teams, at the way as the Young Bucks or any of the other tag champions from New Japan or the New Day in WWE or the Usos, it, you know. And I, you know, that's just me personally, but I think you know the Briscoes are just awesome, and the way it almost felt like a shame because the crowd was not giving them a chance to really make this match special I felt like this was slightly better than average but there was like no heat from almost anything
0: any team could do in this match crowd didn't care about anything till the co-main like really nothing occasionally they would cheer for Daniels occasionally and a few years ago I want to say Christopher Daniels is finally looking physically like he's 48 that being said, he can still go. And Kazarian a couple of years ago physically looked like he might be at the end of his rope, but now he's gotten in great shape. They do a Blue Thunder neckbreaker. Daniels does a somersault sent on over the ropes on Mark, while uh, Kazarian yanks Jay over with a slingshot cutter. And this offense was sparked by this great uh, short-arm stomp from Daniels on the second rope. Daniels gets a fisherman's buster, or a fisherman's buster on Daniels gets two, and this is where Ring of Honor tag matches usually go into the babyface kicks out of everything spot, which does happen. Kazarian is knocked out of action. Daniels escapes the Doomsday Device, but Mark Briscoe is late to break it up. Or it was Jay Briscoe, rather. And the crowd let them have it. That, That was a three count.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, my God. And Caprice Coleman just absolutely selling that near fall to the extreme i don't think i've ever heard an announcer yell so much at the top of his lungs at that near fall and i I was looking at this yeah man mark i think it was mark that um no it was jake is jay Jay, 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 Jay
0: driller outside right after
1: um who was really late on that and, and i thought wait you know i thought this was gonna be the ending we're gonna see a really crazy ending but you know it just it went in as you mentioned a baby babyface mode where they just kick out of everything, and I thought, in a way, that kind of made the Briscoes look a little weak because they just kept hitting everything to Daniels, and he just was able to kick out of everything until the very end. Which I don't know. I thought them struggling to put away Daniels when it was the two on one situation, and I, and the and the fact that Scorpio Sky just came in and just did nothing. He was just there to look after Kazarian, and he didn't really did anything to help Daniels in a, to win the yeah, match.
0: Yeah, I thought it was weird to leave him off the show, but we'll talk about that maybe later. I mean, they could have put him against Grasham or somebody, but Daniels kicks out of a J-driller on the floor right out of this. this Like, none of the end of this match made sense. None of it. Jay Briscoe's is late to break up the pin. Then Jay Briscoe does a J-driller on the floor, And Daniels kicks out. Keep in mind, nobody kicked out of this move for years. And in the past year, I think three or four people have kicked out of it, only to be pinned 30 seconds later. Because Jade picks him right back up and does it again. And this match landed low for me because it was so many standard tropes. Why even kick out of the one on the floor if you're just going to do another one to him? That doesn't make any sense to me. It falls into that
1: WWE spot where you know the more you do your finishers, the weaker it looks. But their justification is that hey, if every time we hit a finisher, it's you know the built-anticipation to the next one. And it really doesn't. All it does, it just makes the finishers look weak. And honestly, this match was the the first of several matches where the ending just looked weird or the the finishes were just fluky or Whatever. I don't know what was up with the with the finishes on this pay-per-view, but it severely hurt a lot of the matches here.
0: Let's talk about another one. Sumi Sakai defended the Ring of Honor Women of Honor Worlds Championship against Taneil Dashwood, formerly known as Emma. Now many, myself included, thought Emma should have been the right or should have been the person who won the championship to begin with. Either I her or Diana Perrazzo. Probably good that Deanna wasn't, considering the way that things went with her. However, this match this match was a little bit sloppy, but fights can be sloppy. And up to this point, I thought it was the best match of the night. It didn't hold up that way, but Sumi Sakai is really aggressive early on. Tanil dropped, toehold Sakai before connecting with the taste of Tanil, which used to be known as the Emma Sandwich. The kick out here left a lot to be desired. My only qualm with Taneil's work is like when she's throwing strikes, sometimes your head will be all the way up here and she goes like that. I don't get it. It's not just not how you do it, not how anybody I've ever seen does it. But hey, minor qualm. That's really it. She bumps her ass off on a missile drop kick from Sakai, though. Sakai does a big high crossbody to the outside. They get on the same page, uh, or get off of the same page rather. But Tanil cracks Sumi with a big punch, and uh, Tanil was wrestling in a t-shirt and heavily bandaged up, looking like she was about to wrestle at Cage of Death for CZW. (laughs) She uh lands a deathlock surfboard and a mare stump for two. A Sakai Hurricane Rana ends up likewise. Teneal's able to kick out of a fisherman's neck breaker, a running knee, and a smash mouth, which usually finishes everybody for Sakai, but they're like, did she get all of it? The reality is she did. It just was taken a little bit different. But they made it sound like Sakai didn't hit her finish very well. It was fine. Uh Emma, or Tanil rather fights out of an armbar, hits a couple of really nice stiff kicks and a double underhook suplex into the corner. She follows up with a tarantula, then power bombs Sakai on the rebound. There is a terrible-looking German suplex from Tanil, and the two end up trading strikes in the ring. Tanil catches Sakai with a powerbomb, but is put in an armbar. And I'm not sure how you pass out in an armbar, Carlos. But Tanil did. And keep in mind, this was a beautiful armbar by Sakai, besides the fact that she pinned herself. Uh, Her shoulders were on the mat, but... Carlos, uh, Tenille passed out from a joint lock.
1: Listen, when it comes... Listen, it's because we don't know about the intricacies of MMA and yeah. uh, an arm bar is so painful that when it applied of people just can't take the pain. And it's so painful that you pass out from it. I, I mean, wish
0: on. that I passed out from some of the arm bars I was in. That would have been a lot better than what happened to walking around with swollen elbows and, and all that.
1: But but, how, was, but I've never seen anyone any match, whether it be MMA or wrestling, end with someone passing out on an arm bar, which is like extremely weird because, as you mentioned, it's a joint lock.
0: You don't yeah, pass it doesn't, it out doesn't happen like, like that. <laughs>
1: I'm about to say like maybe there's a really random pride fight that ended that way and they wanted to harken back to it, but no, I just I just don't know what what was up with that finish.
0: So, Sakai has wrestled 20 times for Ring of Honor this year. Looks like she's going to wrestle some more. And she beat Madison Rain, Karen Q, Hazuki. She's beaten Kelly Klein, Thunder Rosa. I don't know. Uh, Chardonnay. She's beat Jenny Rose. She's beaten everybody. She's, I mean, they even announced she has the best win loss record of anybody in the company this year. And the thing is, it seemed originally like, her at 46 she was given the title as a bit of a a tribute because she was around for some of ring of honors first shows it's time to pass on that and honestly this division is not in great shape the match was okay it had its sloppy spots but Tennille's there Tennille can be your champion you're paying the woman I don't know why for one they're not getting a whole maybe they have but if I'm Ring of Honor, I'm trying to bring in Mercedes Martinez, Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, Jordan Grace. For the love of God, they got Jordan Grace's boyfriend on the roster. I'm trying to bring Eva Lease. I'm trying to work out something where Tessa Blanchard gets to come in. Because the all due respect to some of the people they have, the Stella Grays and the Mandy Leones of the world aren't getting it done. You can't run a division based on... Kelly Klein, Sumi Sakai, Bonesaw Brooks, who doesn't even get any play, and Taneele Dashwood—you can't run a division based on that.
1: I fully agree with you, Sean. And you know what? The and it was weird because when when Tenille first came into Ring of Honor, she came in with a ton of momentum because she came in like right after
0: being released by WWE. Then and- there were questions if she would be the first one of the first big female draws on the independent circuit. And she and
1: hell, she was for for the pre Ring of Honor shows that she was doing for all the other promotions. She was a massive draw, and now she lost to Sumi Sakai in the inaugural tournament semifinal. Now she loses to Sumi Sakai here. Now, like it feels like all the momentum that she's had like a little less than a year ago is just almost completely gone, especially with what happened backstage later on in the
0: show. And maybe that's the way they're setting it up because a lot of people do like Tennille. So maybe they're trying to set it up like Tennille is can't win the big one, whatever it may be. Cause I don't know that she, she's not losing a lot of singles matches. She also has wins over Kelly Klein, Thunder Rosa, Karen Q. She's got some good wins, but, I don't know. I felt like she should have been the pillar they built around, especially considering the supporting cast that they have for her, which a lot of them are ROH dojo people who are, like Stella Gray is not ready to be on their TV and is all the time. Kind of wild. But that finish, rough. We later see Tanil backstage holding her arm, BJ Whitmer checking on her. I'll tell you what disappointed me. Ring of Honor TV championship, Punishment Martinez defeated Chris Sabin. I love Punishment Martinez, and I expect him to lose this championship sooner than later for reasons. For reasons. And Chris Sabin, they're trying to reestablish as a serious singles contender because Alex Shelley is going back to school, essentially. It's what he's just what he's doing. This went from fast paced to awkward very early. And punishment kind of resets things with chokes a choke slam on the apron after catching a suicide dive. There's some back and forth strikes, a ref bump. Punishment tries to introduce a chair, but gets DDT'd on it for two. Then Martinez hits a psycho driver into the buckle, then a regular one, a curb stomp, and his choke slam for the win. That's it.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Felt, I felt like
0: it felt like it was five minutes, Carlos. It it felt it felt
1: weird. At first, I thought, man, Chris Saban is starting off real hot. This you know, this could be a really, really good match. And then all of a sudden it just it just went was slow. They just, you know, Punch Martina was just doing his thing and Saban was just simply selling while trying to find a way to counter uh whatever punishment Martinez could do. And I was severely disappointed by this match because this had the makings to be one of the better matches on this show, Punishment has improved so much in I don't know the past year or so, and I really do like Punish Mar- Martinez, and he has been protected in this ring with this dominant TV champion, special. very special. And and then all of a sudden, it just it just does your standard big guy
0: moveset against the little guy, and. This, well, I'm this. I'm okay with that because a lot of times he he shows his versatility and that is one of the things that makes him special. How he looks, how big he is, his versatility, and I expected a lot of that from from say from him in this match, as I mentioned in my Fightful Select Weekender podcast preview. But it's just it was eight minutes that felt like five minutes, and I know these two are capable of so much more. But the story was after the match that that was it. This was all to set up after but I thought they did an awful lot to set up nothing with Saban. Anyway, Martinez goes after Saban and Jeff Cobb comes out. Jeff Cobb, who now has the ability to work for Ring of Honor because Lucha Underground has relaxed their rules, something that you have your finger on the pulse of. You talk to Pentagon fairly regularly at this point, more than anybody else in wrestling media. But he comes out and stops a punishment beatdown and promptly no-sells a chair shot. Then threw around punishment Martinez, who is a six foot six two hundred and sixty two hundred and seventy pound guy, like he was nothing Carlos Jeff Cobb, as Christopher Daniels told me recently, he can be a game changer for Ring of Honor. They were very smart to bring him in
1: absolutely. I mean, hell, if you've been watching Ring of Honor TV for the past few weeks every time they have a uh top prospect tournament match, Jeff Cobb would just come in and just absolutely destroy everyone like in 30 seconds like he does as matanza in in lucha underground and he clearly time in and time out jeff cobb is by far the most over or at least one of the most over guys on this roster and for impel he he got by far the biggest pop of the night at that point when he came out i expected him to come out and to be able to throw around punishment Martinez the way he did my god that that just made me even more excited for
0: their eventual match yeah he's working the same exact storyline as he is in lucha underground essentially he's been showing up for these top prospect tournament matches which usually ring of honor does a top prospect tournament early in the year but they didn't do one this year and i guess they just decided this is speculation on my part i don't have an inside track they thought we're bringing in him let's just have him run through and kill everybody and eliminate the tournament. And that's what he did. And he said, there is no top prospect tournament because I'm the top prospect. And I thought it was brilliant. It was great. I I loved it.
1: I mean, in hell, and I thought it was hilarious, like looking in the past couple of weeks uh, of these so-called tournament matches of the, just these guys and, and bless some of these wrestlers' hearts. But man, the gimmicks that they come out sometimes were just incredible. I mean, there was one from a few, couple of weeks back where someone came in as Goku from Dragon
0: Ball Z oh, and yeah. <laughs> the guy <laughs> the guy that tried to befriend him this week looked like dollar store Ty Dillinger. Yeah, oh man, Ty Dillinger. Do- but um it was it was it's a good way to introduce him I think. It makes a lot of sense to wish the match that preceded it was a little bit better. We had a tables match, Silas Young and Bully Ray defeated Flip Gordon and Colt Cabana. Flip Gordon's punches are not the best, but his athleticism is. We got some cutesy stuff early, like Colt and Flip doing the what's up headbutt. And Bully Ray screaming, my balls! But yes, Bully Ray got hit right in the penis! Cabana saves Flip.
1: Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at have
0: Going through a table by pulling it out of the way of a back body drop. Bully Ray keeps stalking Ian Riccoboni who comes out to check on Colt. Flip Gordon bails him out with two big suicide dives, but the second sends Flip into the barricade. It was a hell of a suicide dive too. Ian gives Colt Cabana a chair to use, but Bully gets free after afterwards and punches Riccoboni. Cabana gets power through the table and eliminated. So I get it; they're trying to get more heat on Bully Ray. But why was Ian out there? Colt couldn't pick up a chair himself. Like, what? What help did he provide? Putting his hand on the small of Colt's back. That okay? Thanks. It's the man. power of friendship, man. You you you, you, you just true. can't
1: underestimate the power of friendship, Sean. And clearly, it did not. It did not surpass the power of, of angry New York. Have you seen the movie Rookie of the Year? I It rings a bell. I don't think so. It, the, the kid Ring. who broke his arm and he became a Cubs pitcher? No, I don't think i oh, seen Oh,
0: man. That. Well, he was like 12 years old, broke his arm, became a Cubs pitcher because he could throw like 100 miles an hour all of a sudden. He loses it in his very last game. And, and it's like, oh, no, what do I do? He looks out and he sees his mom and his mom goes, Float it. I think that's what Ian Riccabani thought he was doing for Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana was gonna look up at Ian and Ian was gonna say, float it, Colt. Well, Colt didn't. Colt got floated right through that goddamn table and eliminated. Caprice goes off on Riccabani, which is funny. <laughs> like he was legitimately concerned. There was a lot of good and bad commentary on this show. It was a mixed bag, but I thought this was good from Caprice. The crowd chanted, "Move the table because it obstructed a view." Including one guy going off on Bully Ray about it ringside. Do <laughs> You see that, I fella? Loved,
1: I loved it. I, I love that sec. I love that part of. And Bully was just looking. It was like, I don't care what you. I don't yeah. care that you didn't see it. Go go after yourself. I I loved it. It reminded me of a very, if I may, for thirty seconds, give a quick segue. Um, so it just reminded me of Bully Ray at a House of Hardcore show I went to last year in Philadelphia, and he would, and he was doing the whole br- take out the tables, and the crowd on my side was not happy, uh, didn't say, uh, get the tables, and then Bully Ray just looked yeah. at my side, and I think he was staring at me in my college room, and just yelling, you guys
0: suck, you guys are crap. <laughs> so... Flip Gordon fights from underneath and is about to be thrown through a table or is about to throw Silas through a table, but Bully runs into him to save him. Silas doesn't take this kindly, however, because he and Bully have kind of been feuding a little bit. And they end up doing this great spot where they whip Flip into the table, but he runs up it and flips off. There are so many things that Flip doesn't do right, or I don't want to say doesn't do right, doesn't do to my liking. But he does stuff like this that almost nobody can do. Anybody else that size who got sent up that thing is breaking that table, Carlos. But Flip is so light on his feet and so good at this. Wasn't even a concern. He then sends a Bully Ray through the table, but he bumps the ref. Because we got to have another ref bump in Ring of Honor. 450 through Young, through the table, but no dice. Bully Ray attacks Flip, puts him into the table, the shards of it, and the ref sees and gives the match to Young and Bully. What would you think of this match? This
1: match was so sloppy. This match was a <laughs> mess, completely overbooked. And this is one thing, in the finish, it gave. it's another problem I have with pro wrestling in general, is that we live in 2018 where there are a million cameras everywhere, and we look at – and you see instant replay being used in sports all over the world. Like imagine imagine an NBA game ending with a buster beater, but the ref <laughs> for some reason was blinded for whatever reason, and he didn't see the shot go off, so he waved it my, off. My dude, they start. are
0: owned by a broadcast company. They are literally owned by a company that exists to broadcast things. But they can't check the replay. I, I guess, sure. Bully attacks Flip with the chain. I thought we were getting a save here, but Bully Ray gets some good heat in Ring of Honor. He is a good character. He plays off of off of reality, and and I like that. The, the promo he had before the match was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. He is, he is perfect for Ring of Honor. He really, really is at this stage of his career. He does things uh really good. I liked uh this week on ROH TV when Gresham out wrestled him and slapped him in the head. Gresham being like five foot three worked so, so well. Guys, reminder Fighting Spirit Unleashed post show Sunday night, but we have a Bellator 206 post show Saturday night. That is a hell of a card. Even if you're a casual MMA fan, Rory McDonald, Gegard Musashi, super fight. You got Rory McDonald, Bellator welterweight champion taking on Gegard Musashi, Bellator middleweight champion, who, quite frankly, has also found great success at light heavyweight and heavyweight as well. Co-main event, how about Rampage Jackson versus Vanderlei Silva 4? Then you have Koreshkov Lima underneath. You got Aaron Pico on that show. Can't wait. James Lynch will join me. And, of course, we have our Raw and SmackDown post-shows. Check us out, Fightful.com. Well, this this, uh, match finally got the crowd into it. Only a seven-match show, though, Carlos. So when you have a seven-match show, it does surprise me a little bit that you jam all these guys into one match. Also, no Scorpio Sky, no Jonathan Gresham, in the ring at least. So I was I was surprised, only seven matches, but you, you do have to run TV tapings as well. But let's talk about this one. Bullet Club, Young Bucks, Cody, Hangman Page, and Marty Skrull defeated the Chaos Combo of Rocky Romero, Kazuchika Okada, Tomahiro Ishii and best friends. First off, Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman had to kill time while they cleaned up the ring, Carlos.
1: Oh my God. And the way that they just um Ian Riccoboni had to just keep exasperating, just make sure I get as much time as possible for the ring crew to just clean everything. Yeah. Until the camera just gave up and just shot 10 seconds
0: of the guy cleaning up the ring. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So I thought the right move would have been to have the bullet club all come out together. Like I said, outside of Cody showing up at championship wrestling in Hollywood to do a promo for the NWA 70th, by the way, we have an NWA 70th post show coming up after that show. I think it more than deserves it based on the the great work Dave Lagana has done. But first public, none of these guys have wrestled in a month. That's, Unreal, like none. None of them have wrestled since All In, and they deserved some time off. So good for them. But I would have loved to have seen them come out and get get a big ovation because one by one, it didn't get the type that I that I thought it would. Skrulls was good. Paige gets a smattering. Cody's is nice. Young Bucks are okay. But Paige and Ishii slug it out early on. Okada went face to face with Skrull and then tagged it out and was like. I am not getting blamed for this shit going over time. He wasn't, he wasn't having it. Romero tags in, gets some offense instead. Best friends hit a lawn dart on Matt, but they won't hug Romero. But then they give in after a triple suicide dive. I love the zoom out on that. Cody gets chance as he battles it out with Okada, but eats a flapjack. There's a super dive party that ends up in Chucky e. T doing this beautiful cannonball off the stage and then Ishii flying off the top rope and onto the pile. This is a beautiful set of spots, Carlos.
1: Oh my this is, Chaos had an amazing match. It, you know, and mainly Rocky Romero. I was so impressed with Rocky Romero. And I think some people keep forgetting that Rocky's actually a really good wrestler because they just see him be showing Yo's manager or at least hype man, whatever you want to call him in New Japan or does occasional... Bring a uh, commentary with Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. But my God, you know, he, he, it almost even seemed like Caprice Coleman was uh, was shocked at just how fast and how good Rocky Romero was. And Chuck E.T., man, I it feel almost feels like he's given, in a way, new life now that oh, Tr- yeah. he and Trent Barretta are back together. And my God, it, I am so excited for what Chuck E.T. and Trent Barretta could do, maybe challenge for the tag titles. Uh, I
0: think they're next. I I think they should be next. Yeah. Oh, did you see the unbelievable ass whipping those two uncorked on the boys last week? Oh, my
1: God. I loved it.
0: So you can tell that they don't get the opportunity to face really, really tiny guys often. They abuse those two. Chucky T hit a gut wrench pile driver. (laughs) He spun that little son of a bitch around like a clock, Carlos. It was fantastic. I loved it. And Ring of Honor, for a little while, for a couple months, I was like, man, this roster, it's getting depleted. I don't know who they can bring in. I know they wanted to bring in Matt Riddle. Didn't work. But they got guys like Chucky T. I don't know if Chucky T's getting NXT offers anytime soon. But he fits in Ring of Honor and does what – he brings something that they can't get elsewhere. He's serious, but he's funny. He can wrestle, but he's he's not like – He's just different, and that's something that Ring of Honor needs. They need different. <clears throat> so, Cody, or rather, uh, Rocky Romero does a bunch of Hurricane ronas and uh, his corner clothesline spots, but then he gets super kicked by the entire team. Really cool spot. Also, I'm a big fan of Nick Jackson. His strikes look really good
1: yeah and honestly one thing and honest it honestly feels really refreshing seeing nick jackson whenever he throws strikes because my god especially the striking that we saw earlier on the pay-per-view it felt like a breath of fresh air and really i i don't think nick jackson gets enough credit for uh, for as being a singles wrestler even though he almost never does singles wrestling but whenever he's he's wrestling he you can tell that he's really improved over the years and One thing that I personally, as a guy who loves MMA and boxing, uh, I appreciate Nick Jackson's commitment to making the strikes look very realistic because, hell, in wrestling or in anything, hell, if you throw a punch, it's supposed to hurt, it's supposed to do damage instead of you doing 20 punches all in a row and they do the equivalent of (laughs) half a punch.
0: That's a thing that, that a lot of my trainers always extended to me. They're like... If you waste your strikes and you punch somebody over and over again and they're not marked up and they're not swollen up and they're not cut up, how bad does that make your punches look? Make your strikes mean something. Less so I, I wish more wrestlers would do that. So the thing is with Nick Jackson is he'll throw a lot. He won't necessarily land a lot, though, but he'll throw beautiful head kicks, spin kicks, back elbows, and miss them and then land one strike, and it doesn't make his strikes look bad as a result. He'll he'll land like an open backhand. Really, really good stuff. <clears throat> I would love to see Nick or Matt Jackson challenge for the ROH title uh, solo. Like Hawk and Animal used to do way back in the day. And not to compare them to the Legion of Doom, but they are at that level in Ring of Honor. <clears throat> so, inverted infrared from Matt. Disaster kick from Cody. Double super kick from the Bucks. The hits keep coming. Okada reverses a Meltzer driver into one of his own with Chuck E.T., he eats a crossroads but lands a Rainmaker. Matt accidentally super kicks Skrull. Then Matt is sent into Nick on the apron, which leads to Nick getting pile-drived on the apron by Trent. But Skrull suplexes into a chicken wing, gets the win. This was a very fun match, Carlos.
1: Yeah, and it really... And listen, the crowd... You could tell that most of the crowd was just there to see the Bullet Club face against Chaos. And and listen, there's something wrong with that, but you know, the rest of the pay-per-view kind of suffered a little bit because the crowd was just simply there for this match. But when this match came, my God, the crowd exploded. When Okada came in, everybody was excited. And the action was extremely fast-paced, and I loved it. And it never felt like... Everyone was going too fast. I think that's one thing that uh that also should be mentioned that the action was fast-paced, but you could never felt like you were being
0: overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm with you. I like this match. It was it was just good stuff, man. It was a fun, fast-paced battle, and it just it just worked. Where it was, it worked. During this match, Nick Aldis, who was on commentary, announces that he versus Cody at NWA. NWA 70th anniversary will be two out of three falls for the title. Cody confirms that afterwards. Good stuff from both of them. Nick Aldis will be at the ROH tapings this weekend as well. Somebody asked me uh, or insinuated that I was going to be covering Super Showdown live hours later. I'm not. I'm covering it live. I will be up at 5 a.m. And I will do a live post show with Mr. Warren Hayes, guys, just so you all know. So tune in. Ring of Honor World Championship. Jay Lethal defeated Will Ospreay to retain the title. I thought this was match of the night. They did go back to the call it like a golf tournament. If it's too loud, we might distract them thing, but this was good. It started off fast-paced. Both guys go for their finish but get reversed. And the most important thing, Carlos, the crowd got going for this match. It did. It did. And I at some
1: point, I was a little bit uh, scared for this match because they were following up the Bullet Club and Chaos match. Exactly. but and at, the, and at first, it kind of felt like the crowd was still recovering a little bit, but I'm glad they gave them time. I'm glad that they just kept incorporating different elements into the match. They spent the time just, Jay Lethal just chopping away at Osprey, and Osprey was just taking it. It felt like a very different Osprey because some people would just think that this was going to be all action. No, at times, the the action was slow, but it felt meaningful because it, the, even the commentary was saying that um that this was a bigger, more physical, more physically uh, improved uh, Will Osprey, and and you know the the spots where Jay where Osprey was just in the corner, just telling Jay to just keep chopping away at him. I thought that was just beautiful stuff and really good storytelling. Because he didn't just want to prove that he's a better wrestler, but he wanted to show that he's a tougher wrestler.
0: Yeah, he's gained muscle. That was a big story, this. And that Lethal, when he slowed it down, could take control. But Osprey no selling the chops. At first, I was like, eh. Then, as it went on, I was like, this is good stuff. Because he started to sell them more and more and more. Started to realize that he he got up Creek without a paddle. I love that Ian Riccoboni explained why a ladder was under the ring. He said, that's so we can set up our lighting rigs. It's so we can set up a lot of stuff. And I don't think either of these men are electricians, which uh, I thought was funny. Lethal countered a space flying tiger drop with a big chop, but then super kicks Bobby Cruz, who's holding the title. Check out our interview with Bobby Cruz, youtube.com slash Fightful. It's on there, fightful.com, keyword Bobby Cruz. And he throws the title up in the air and Osprey caught it. Beautiful spot. Osprey tees hitting him with the title, but doesn't do it. Instead, he sends lethal into the guardrail before uh, having the favor returned. Match was cooking at this point, Carlos. I hope I haven't accidentally called you Alex. I'm so used to calling <laughs> saying Alex, Alex, Alex.
1: No, but- I don't think I don't think I've no, I don't think I've, I've noticed that. So, so you're good,
0: shot. So. Osprey sends lethal into the ladder with the sunset flip power bomb. I don't know how that's not a DQ, but whatever we'll rock with it. Doesn't make any damn sense, but the crowd was into this. And that was the main thing I was concerned about. Lethal injection is countered by a wraparound kick. Another huge kick in an Oscutter cutter land, but lethal kicks out. Osprey goes crazy with stomps, but lethal hits a super tiger bomb and lethal injection for the win. This was a blast to watch.
1: Man, I just absolutely love this match. It, and I'm glad it was given all the time in the world to do what it needed to do. And, you know, Jay, the, especially towards the end, when they were trying to counter Diaz Cotter with the lethal injection, uh, it just showed just how even this match really was. And and going back to the whole escalator, you know, with the whole ladder thing, I remember someone replying to your tweet about uh about you saying how you appreciated Ian Rigabani's mentioning that. And could you and I think it was someone responding by saying, Could you imagine if they had broken that letter, uh, that ladder, what would they what would they do to take down the set? Oh man. But this was a really That's fantastic
0: match. That's a very good point. And after the match, the kingdom come out and attack. They also beat up Gresham. And Matt Taven has a purple championship belt. He says that he is the real world champion. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Ring of Honor want Kingdom to be over real bad. They try it all the time. All the time.
1: You know what's also weird that they for the last couple of weeks or so, I I I don't remember if they had this on TV, but I know on their YouTube channel they were still uh doing promos on how they were screwed out of the six man tag titles. And I thought for a second they were going to come out after the Bullet Club of Chaos match to just keep uh, to just reignite that feud. But for just some reason to just do this. That there's no point. I, I get it, I get it. Ring of Honor, Love's Kingdom, but there's no point in bringing these guys out for this program and the whole title belt thing. I I just didn't get it. I, I suppose because it's purple and it's um and people associate purple with royalty, kingdom. It is the the biggest stretch possible, but who knows what R H is thinking these days? So another weird ending to a pay per view that didn't need it. This kind of ending
0: like Matt Taven has delivered several times over the last year. And I don't doubt that he could fit here. And he's a star in Mexico. Like he does some great work for CMLL. But the thing is, some of the storylines they've had him involved in, like when they have him in the kingdom come out and say, there's a kingdom conspiracy against us. And I'm like, "Well, no, not really. That doesn't work when you're on every show and you're always wrestling for titles and, You're always in a main event scene, even if you're not in a singles match. and It doesn't work like that. We don't buy that. And they do so many damn conspiracy storylines in Ring of Honor anyway. And they do so many... It just happens all the time. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Do I believe that Matt Taven can work? I do. Uh, For a while, it seemed like he was dressing up as a different wrestler every few months. Like he would look like somebody else, some other wrestler all the time. Not the case. Now he lost his hair in Mexico. So he's got his own thing and he is a very talented guy. It's just very clear. Despite that, I hate to, to, to draw the comparison to Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns, very talented guy, but it's very clear how badly WWE wants him to be a certain thing. It's very clear how much ring of honor wants Matt Taven to be a certain thing. I'm not sure he's what they want him to be, but I don't doubt that he can be something else that can be as good as what they want him to be. It's, it's kind of confusing. It's kind of wild, but he's a good guy to have on the roster. It's just weird the way they push it. And I figured it would go a different direction, but we'll see how it plays out. But uh, your, your thoughts on kingdom getting involved at the end of the show.
1: You know, I wasn't a big fan of it. I was just as confused as everyone else. I mean, I I, I kind of get, you know, why they, Taven is out there. Hey, I get they need a heel to be Jay Leto's next opponent. But, I mean, I don't know why, if that's the case. I don't know what you're doing with Kenny King because, you know, I thought that they were pushing Kenny King to be Jay Leto's next opponent. Maybe they will for just maybe a TV taping and that's it. But in reality... You hit the nail on the head, Sean. I mean, Kingdom is just so entrenched in everything. It just and they just keep complaining and just keep talking about conspiracies. It just makes them not feel menacing, but just makes them feel like that whiny kid in in the classroom that always complains about not getting everything his way or just arguing semantics about just every minute detail and it just comes across as just annoying and it, it draws the wrong kind of heat in my opinion
0: i mean maybe maybe that's the kind of heat they want off of it maybe that's what they're going for i don't know but i don't know if lethal versus taven at final battle is the way i would go i, I, I can wouldn't. tell you it's not Is lethal for ken king nah I, I wouldn't want that either man <laughs> i would well what would, would you I Kenny prefer King.
1: that evil over the other. I'd stick Let Kenny know. King
0: and Taven in a corner together, but man, I don't think Kenny King's another guy they want to get over real bad. But I don't know, man. I would. Who I don't know where I would go besides Taven, but I, I mean, before that, sure, Taven's more than credible as a Ring of Honor title contender, and I don't doubt that he'll have a, a title run eventually, and I'd be okay with that too. But we'll see how it goes. Guys, remember, Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, we're here for all of them. We have that Fightful MMA podcast on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, MMA Insider Showdown Joe and James Lynch. Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, To listen, your boy, myself, Fightful.com founder and very successful businessman Jimmy Van, give you a unique look at things. And FightfulSelect.com, go there and just glance at what we have to offer. We have some nice bonus stuff for you. Carlos tell the people where they can follow you on social media. You can follow me at carlos toro 360 uh that's toro t o r o
1: yes it is the spanish word for the uh for bull uh, <laughs> which you know i'm surprised not that many people in the united states have actually made that joke because over here in puerto rico my god I've heard, i i non stop eh oh non stop non non stop
0: You all can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. You can follow us at Fightful Online. Guys, again, try to apologize to you after every podcast. Uh, This week, I am under the weather, but uh, thank you all for sticking with me. Hoping to get over that soon. It's been a rough week, but leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Most importantly, just tell people you like the show. Let people know what you liked about the show. Word of mouth is very important to a young, growing, independent wrestling website. So thank you all very much. Until next time, we are out.